You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 26 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and this week I am so, so very excited to bring you my interview with Ann Nielsen. And she is an artist and an author and just such a strong, inspiring woman of faith. So Ann, welcome to the show. Uh, Jess, thank you for having me on. I'm so excited to be here and share the journey. Thank you. Oh, we're so excited to have you. And I'm excited to talk about your new book in a little bit. But before we get into that, I was wondering if you could share with our audience how you came to know the Lord and kind of what your journey with Him has been. Oh, golly. Well, I can remember, I think I was like around seven or eight. And um, I had the most powerful dream Um, It was almost as if Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, just entered into my body and shot me to heaven and back. I mean, it was, I will never forget it to this day. And I woke up and I, um, I believe that Jesus was real. Um, We, I came from a broken um, family life. My mom and dad divorced when I was five. And, um, but we were always in church but that didn't mean I understood the relationship part of it. So um, as a child, I I believed in Jesus. I wanted to be good. I wanted to do good. Um, And, you know, in my teens, well, I guess it was in my late teens, I kind of strayed from, you know, I kind of kept him at arm's length and, um, and my, teenage years were, you know, I I kept trying to do good, do good. You know, it was just about me doing the right things. Um, 1920s, 21, my 20s were just a a wandering in the desert. Um, I would wake up and read my devotional, but yet I would go off and do my own thing and Mm. live in a life of sin. And, and so that was kind of the keeping God at arm's length. I believed in him and I knew he was real. I did not have that intimate relationship um, that I just so love today. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was really, you know, um, growing up in that broken family, trying to figure out, you know, I was an awkward, scrawny kid. Um, I knew also, let's get back to when I was a little girl, I knew that I wanted to be an artist. In the mm-hmm. third grade, I wrote a paper, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And highlighted was I wanted to be an artist. Also wanted to be a mom and a mother of lots of children. Um, but fast forward, I was not the greatest student. Um, I made a D minus in 10th grade art. I want to say I was coloring outside the lines. <laughs> Um, I flunked out of college. It took me 10 years, about 10 years to finally go back and get my elementary education degree. But God had such a sense of humor because in my wandering in those desert moments, um, he was wooing my heart back to him. Mm. Um, 
So in my 20s, my 20s were really the, you know, I was I was in control of my life. I was going to do things my way, not his way. I was um, rationalizing all my, you know, my sin behavior. And I desperately wanted to be married and have a family. And I had just turned 30. And I'll never forget this. It was a month after I turned 30. And I walked into my bedroom and I was just overwhelmed with, you know, I I was exhausted of doing it my way. Um, I still loved God and, you know, I knew he loved me, but it was that arm's length, you know, relationship. Um, And I got down on my hands and knees and I surrendered it all to him. My, my past, my mistakes, my desires to, you know, Mm be married, my desires to, I was, I had a pottery business back then. So I was creating and doing some things, but I just surrendered it all to him. Yeah. And that was just one of those moments where the peace that passes all understanding, I I couldn't understand it then. I understand it now, but he had such a plan. Sometimes it's a humorous plan. Sometimes it was a you know, lots of trials and tribulations, but he had such a plan for my life that, you know, looking back on all those messy parts of my life, he was creating this masterpiece. And so um, that's kind of the start of it when I turned 30, surrendering it all. Yeah. And um, I love to use this analogy. I was telling someone, you know, if you have a rope and one end of that rope is me and on the other end of that rope is Jesus, God. And every time we sin, if you can see these big sharp scissors cutting that rope, because sin separates us from God, but he loves us so much that he takes that rope and he ties it back together. So you're getting closer and closer and closer to this you know, intimate relationship that he so desires to have with mm. us. So um, that was my life from you know when I was that little girl and the desires of my heart. So when I turned 30 and even today, I mean, he's still wooing me and telling me, come on, get back to me. But um, it's been a journey. I love that analogy and the picture of the rope that he's just always trying to pull us closer to. Yeah. And I just, you know, having, you know, lots of knowing now about grace and mercy and the forgiveness, um, you know, even though we were in church as, you know, in my early years, it was more about, you know, reading the prayers out of the common book of prayer or it, it just nothing really, um, it, it didn't sink as such a deep relationship that he so desires for us. And I'm, I still cringe when people say, oh, you're so religious. And I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Take that word out. It's not about religion, but it's about a relationship. Mm. And, you know, he is living and active and he's the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. And that's his desire is for us to have this intimate relationship 24-7, not just when we wake up in the morning or whenever you have your quiet time with them. It's 24-7. Yeah. Yeah. So when you turned 30 and had that experience and felt that peace, what happened next? I mean, did things change pretty rapidly? You know, you woke up the next day and <laughs> found your husband things and off you went. There, yes, there you go, girl. <laughs> so I, um, that was April of 1993. Um, 
two months later, I uh, did meet my husband. We had a blind oh, wow. date. Yes. And we had 10 dates over the course of two months. And um, it was, this is so funny. So, and this whole, my, my whole life is going to be just wide open, transparent, everything. And the newest book coming out in April, The Brushstrokes of Life. But met my husband, Clark, um, 10 dates, two months. And it was August uh, 2003. Was it? Two, yeah, 2003. We've almost, almost been married, gosh, 29 years, 30 years. But anyway, um, so he wanted me to come meet his parents at the beach. So I'm like, I love the beach. I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. You know, I can't keep a girl from the beach. So yes, I will go. We were just friends. I mean, and when I say, you know, when I surrendered that day in April, I surrendered everything. I was going to do it God's way. I was going to walk in his ways. I mean, there was going to be no sin. I mean, it was just like none. And so that means no intimate relationships with until he's my husband on my wedding night. So anyway, um, I accept to go to the beach. He, his parents were, had rented a place and he flew me to the beach, you know, where we were going to meet. And I stayed in a separate bedroom, met his parents. And the next day, you know, I'm on the beach and I'm in the surf in my little chair. And my mom had, she had a little, um, she was an intercessory prayer warrior for this group in Jacksonville, Florida. So she had a bunch of scriptures and people at the, you know, their names at the top and all the scriptures was, let's say they were praying for someone's physical healing. So I'm sitting there with a sheet of paper. I told Clark, I got to go do my prayers. So I'm in the surf. I'm praying over these people, praying God's word, which is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And I hear for the first time really in my life, what do you want? And I'm like, you know, who who just who just said that? And um, and I go back to praying because their needs are bigger than my needs. And I kept hearing, "What do you want?" And so I put the the paper down, and I just started this conversation with the Lord. I said, "I desperately want to be married. I want to be married. I want to have a family." And He goes, "Well, what do you want in a mate?" And I said, "Well, I want him to love you first. I want him to, um, you know, love you first. And I had all these characteristics of, you know, what I wanted to make. But first and foremost was he had to love Jesus. Um, and then as the tide was rushing out, you know, my feet were in the sand. And that peace, again, that fell on me in my bedroom, the peace that passed all understanding just, over, just flooded my entire body. And I heard, are you willing to trust me? And so I look back at Clark and I'm like, well, I'm not sure if he's the one. And there's a whole funny story. You'll have to read it in the, the book. But, um, but I, yes, I am willing to trust you. I don't think Clark and I, I mean, maybe we kissed once. But um, so we're driving back, Clark and I, on Sunday. And we're driving a seven-hour drive from Duck, North Carolina to Charlotte, North Carolina. And he's there just talking up a storm. And he's like, you know, how many children do you want? And I said four. And he's like, well, what do you want in life? And, you know, just ask me all these questions. And he finally said, how am I stacking up? And I looked at him like, so confused. He was, he was coming this close to ask me to marry him in the car. And um, we get home 
and my car is at the airport and he drops me off and he's going to ask me in the airport parking lot to marry him. But he looked at my pupils and he saw that they were teeny tiny dots. And he said, I remember a class, a professor had once told me in a you know, psychology class that if someone was in love, their pupils are really big. And if someone was um, not in love, their pupils are really small. I looked at your pupils. They were so small. I was like, I am not asking her to marry me. We will date for a couple of months. <laughs> Fast forward the next night, he comes over for dinner. We're sitting on the sofa. My pupils are really big. And he just blurts out. I want to marry you. I am deeply in love with you and want to take care of you for the rest of your life. Will you marry me? And I'm like, okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I called my mom and I said, I'm getting married. And she's like, to who? Oh my gosh. So you talk about God and how fast and, you know, when, when you truly surrender and when you truly trust, um, and Clark and I really, you know, we only had 10 dates. We had a lot of, but I trusted the Lord and yeah. I trusted his voice. And um, and there's a lot, you know, we ended up getting married two months later in Scotland. And I mean, we could be on this thing for hours. So I'm not going to spoil it. You have to read the book. Yeah. But um we came home and, you know, a month later we started our family because I was 30. I was ready to start having a family and three girls, you know, very quickly, 18 months apart, 16 months apart. And then I struggled with two miscarriages mm -hmm. and then we finally had our fourth child. And so God was on the fast track for Ann Nielsen. Yeah. Um, there was one night that um, I just, I found myself, we had gotten in a fight and, you know, I think that, you know, my heart is about relationships, marriage, covenant, you know, Clark and I made a covenant with one another and I knew that God had brought him into my life. Now, was he perfect? No. Was I perfect? No. We brought in a lot of baggage into our marriage but I trusted the one that held us together. He is, Jesus is the glue that holds our marriage mm -hmm. together. But I remember one night um, getting in a fight, three baby girls, I go down into my basement and I'm sobbing and I'm like, I don't want this. I mean, this yeah. is not what I signed up for. And that still small voice that whispered to me on the beach said, he is my gift. You need to love him unconditionally as I love you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a fast track and, um, it was, it's still a journey. Um, we are now empty nester. All our children are grown and we're trying to figure out life as empty nesters. And me as an artist who this was a hobby, I mean, it started out as a hobby, but I knew that, um, when my girls, when my kids got into school, that I would be able to pick up the paintbrush again. And he said, mm -hmm. he, Clark, my husband said something so profound to me when they were little. I had gone to, um, we had moved into a home and, you know, I wanted to dabble in paints, but I had gone to a show that a friend of mine had, a lot of people were picking up the paintbrush and I came home and I was sobbing. I'm like, I need to create. I mean, I know that God created me to create and um, Clark just said, you know what, sweetie, there will be a time for that. Now is the time for you to be with your children. Mm. And he was so true. We, you know, built a home later and I had a little studio in my home. And so when they were off at school is when I kind of got in there and, and started painting. And for me, it was more of a ministry because I paint to praise music. 
And, um, and that was kind of my time of worship with the Lord and allowing him to move out of me onto the campus. And um, mm. so it's, you know, it's a journey, girl. Yeah, well, it is. And, you know, I like what you said, you know, where Clark was saying kind of, this isn't the time, but that time will come. And I feel like yeah. somebody out there is feeling that right now, like they have a passion inside of them for something. And yet we often feel like, okay, then I have to do everything before I'm 30 or before I'm 40 or this year. We put these timetables on our lives. And yet God is sometimes saying, no, I have you in a different place right now. But that passion inside of you is not going to be wasted. It's just for later. And sometimes that can feel very hard. Well, and I have a dear friend. She's like, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit, not the hurry up spirit. Oof. And I feel like we're always, we're in, we're a, we're a, a society that's into microna- microwaving and God is into marinating. And we really mm. need to surrender, trust, and watch what he will do. And it's hard. I mean, yeah. it is hard. And sometimes I know that when I step ahead of them, it's not always easy. I have to like, okay, Lord, you know, I surrender and, and allow the Holy Spirit to kind of, you know, guide and, and you know, lead the way and not hurry up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because what would you say to someone who's listening right now and, you know, they hear you your story and you trusted God and then you know, four months later, two months later, you were married and they are feeling like, I trusted God, but I'm still not getting the thing I long for. Well, there's still things after 20, 30 years that I'm still trusting the Mm. Lord for. And I, you know, I I really do believe that um, it's a discipline for us to surrender. I mean, a lot of times we want to grip and hold for me it was control I, you know and even parenting I wanted to control and even marriage I want to control and you know it's it's really hard to open your palms to your you know and surrender it to the Lord and whether it is four months or whether it's four years or whether it's 40 years yeah we have to believe that the Lord is who he says he is and that he his word, will not return void and he will do everything Mm. that he says in his word. His promises are yes, amen. They're true now and forever. And so whether it's four months, four years, 40 years, I mean, and I, and I have to, I'm preaching to myself because there's so many things that, you know, and another thing is that comparison. I, I use this in a lot of my talks that comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. The the what you see on social media and what we have at our fingertips now, even for me as an artist and a business owner and an author, and you know, getting on there and comparing myself, I'm gonna oh, can't go there. We have to rely on what God has called us to do and and rely on Him, yeah, um, to lead us and guide us and yeah, do all the things that we it's want Him to do. So true. He's it's hard, but He's so good through the process. Um, You know, you said we need to believe God is who He says He is. So I'm wondering, what is one of your favorite attributes of God? Or what is something you love about His character? Or maybe something new He's teaching you about His character? 
Oh, gosh, I've had so many throughout my years. One was be still. Mm. Just be still and know, um, you know, that he is who he says he is. And, you know, even with my, um, I paint angels and it didn't, it wasn't always that way. I mean, I, I, when I picked up the paintbrush for oils, I was painting still lights and figures and landscapes, but there came a day that I um, wanted something that reflected my faith. Not that I'm an angel. I'm not an angel, but I experimented with, you know, different colors and palette and texture and whatnot and came up with my first angel. And, um, and because of that, people are so, I mean, I get so many people, whether they've lost loved ones or children and to hear their stories and to know that despite through what these people are going through, um, they cling to hope, mm-hmm. knowing that God is who he says he is and that he can even bring beauty out of ashes, um, yeah. beauty out of brokenness. Um, and I think that, you know, in a world today where there's so much division, there's so much hatred, there's so much, I don't know, um, just to be still and know that he is Abba Father. I mean, he created every single one of us. Um, and my prayer is that the hearts would be turned to him and they would be knitted together with him. Um, for that intimate relationship. Um, I just, I, I really, he, I mean, there's another story about how, you know, a lot of us tend to, um, you know, we believe in God and, you know, but I don't think that we believe that he is as big as he is. Mm. I think we tend to put him in a small box. And there was a story, Paint to Paint Praise Music, when Stephen Curtis Chapman, you know, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Oh, Yeah. So when his little girl um, passed mm. away years ago, I went into mourning yeah. and um, I just was like, oh my gosh. And I painted this small little painting for them and um, found an outlet how to get the painting there. I kind of doubted myself, like, do I really want to send this? I don't think the colors are going to match their home. Why am I, and the, you know, the devil just wants to come in and just kind of distract you and say, oh no, don't do that. You're not good enough. Don't do that. And um, anyway, months later, I found an outlet, sent it on. And I was teaching a Bible study, um, a small group, and we were talking about how um, we have a big big God, but we tend to keep him in a small box. And I was telling the story about how, out of obedience, I sent this painting to the Chapmans, but I probably will never hear from them. And um, that's that small God. And... um, get in my car, I get on my email and there's an email from their assistant, Grace, who said, oh my gosh, you know, um, the Chapman's about drop the painting. The colors are exact same colors of their home. And little Maria Sue always wore hair tossled with a red ponytail. And the painting had a little girl, dark hair with a little red ponytail. And that was just, I sat in my car, tears sobbing, repenting of, you know, ever claiming, you know, those words, we've got to believe that we serve a big God who can do big things in our lives, whether, you know, if you're waiting for him to do big things, 
pray bigger. I mean, because yeah. he can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And um, that is one of my favorite verses that we truly have got to believe that. Um, mm. Get him out of that small box. Wow. Move on to the bigger box. Yes, and he sees the full big picture and he's working behind he the scenes in ways we could never imagine. Wow, that, I, I gave, oh, that gave me the chills. We, we, we don't question the why, like why this is happening or you know why this is going on in your life, but we trust the one, the one mm. who has that calling on your life, who knows the big picture, you know, who has painted that masterpiece and you know, he knows. And so we trust the one. We don't question the why. Mm, I like that. That's good. Um, so you've mentioned your, well, the book coming out in 2023. Um, but yeah. you do have a new book that just came out. So the one coming out next year is The Brush, Brush Strokes of Life, um, Discovering How God Brings Beauty and Purpose to Your Story, which I am going to pre-order that right when we get off of this call. Um, wow. But your new book that is currently out is Entertaining Angels. Um, so I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the heart behind that and kind of the, the purpose of it. Well, um, so two years ago, I'm going to back up a little bit. Um, Thomas Nelson and I, we partnered and we did a little um, devotional called um, just Ann Nielsen's Angels. It was 40 words, um, 40 devotionals and 40 art, just angels. Did I say that? 40 words, 40 devotionals and 40 angels. And that was more about words, how words can build us up, words can tear us down, how words are very powerful powerful in our lives. So we thought, or they thought, that that book was going to sell 50,000 copies in a year and they sold 50,000 copies in two months. And so we're like, oh, oh wow. Wow. Well, let's do another devotional. And so um, there were so many stories in my life. Everybody says, do you see angels? I don't see angels. I I do believe that, you know, the Holy Spirit, the Lord gives me a vision um, because I put out my oil paints, whether it's three colors or whether it's six colors. And I just kind of mix the colors and, you know, the composition comes out on the, the canvas. And I am listening. I am I am in a whole nother world as I'm painting and praying and listening to worship music. So um, there's so many incredible stories. And I'll also say we don't worship the angels. We worship the God who created these angels. I think that they are on assignment. I mean, it, if you don't believe in angels, I think everybody believes in angels, you know, whether you believe in God or not. But God created these beings for a purpose. And um, I used to always say, um, you know, put a guardian angel around my children. Now I say, okay, Lord, I want a host of warring angels around my children, not just one, but you put a host of warring angels. Um, So with this other book, this book that came out called Entertaining Angels, this is more about actions. And um, they're just some really beautiful stories and it weaves everything from marriage to depression to um, stepping out and being an angel in someone else's life. And um, every other story is my personal story. And then there's so many um, friends that had contribute, they're contributors and they had such powerful stories. And I don't know, are you familiar with the book, Same Kind of Different as Me? Yeah. Okay, so 
Ron Hall's an international art dealer. And um, and I'm going to tell this quick story real quick. And Denver Moore was the homeless man. It's a true story of how their lives collided. And Ron and I, and I got to meet Denver before he died. He died in 2012. Um, and Ron has remained such a dear, dear friend of mine. So Ron and I were in New York. This was many years ago. And we were doing this um, event, a press conference um, for the New York Rescue Mission. And I was traveling with my business manager. He was with his new wife. And um, we booked this hotel. And Wendy, my business manager, and I got to the hotel. And we're like, oh, my gosh, this place is just not up to our standards. And we were like, we and we had booked two rooms. But then we're like, uh, and we're going to we're going to check out of here. We're going to go across the street to the five-star hotel. This is like a one-star <laughs> hotel. So then we started really kind of thinking and like, you know, it's one night really do we, you know, let's just, let's just stay here. We can do it. Um, we went out to dinner. They didn't even have soap or any kind of anything in the bathrooms. So this is so God. So Ron and Beth, Wendy and I, we go to dinner, we go to the Rockette show, we're walking home and we have to go to the grocery or to the Dwayne Reed to pick up soap for, um, because, you know, we needed our toiletries. So we're walking out and there's this little girl, she's probably 23. She's homeless. She's sitting on the side of the sidewalk. It's midnight. It's freezing cold. And we stop and we talk to her and, um, you know, we give her some money. And then I look at Wendy and I said, we've got that extra, you know, hotel room. So we pick Ashley up, we take her back to the hotel room and, uh, and Ron's with us. And we're, you know, we're all telling stories. She's sharing her story with us. We get the key to the room. We go, and it's this large suite. We had no idea. And it had a bathtub and she just tears. She's like, I can take a bath. And I'm like, this is your room for the night. And um, the next morning she came and went to the rescue, you know, um, mission with us. And it just, that, it's just a story like that, that had we not checked, I mean, had we checked out of that hotel, we would have never met Ashley because we didn't need soap and we didn't need to go to Dwayne Reed. And we didn't, you know, and we were with, you know, Mr. Ron Hall, who has, you know, that's his life is touching the lives of million through the homeless ministry. And so mm-hmm. it just, it was our eyes, you know, are open. And, and there was a um, quote that um, Denver would always say is you never know who's um, I think I'm going to get this right. Who's got whose eyes God is watching through. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just this book is about actions and what we can do as humans on earth to be angels in other people's lives. Not that we're angels. Please, please know that humans are not angels, but um, just opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus on earth. And then there's some other powerful stories throughout this um, book. So yeah, it's a tender, sweet little story. There are 35 stories and it's just encouraging um, everyone in their walk of life on their journey. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. Every story you tell, I could just be weeping. (laughs) They're so sweet and encouraging. And that reminder that that's what we're here for. Like, yes, yes. To love people the way Jesus did. And Jesus was never afraid to go up to. 
the person who seemed like the outcast or the one who was sick or, you know, like shunned from the city. Um, Well, and I love what you just said that, you know, I I do believe um, it was funny because when I felt called to write the brushstrokes of life, I had just cleaned out my, you know, my big studio at home, not studio, but like our office and just had stacks of books that I was donating. I'm like, okay, why in the world am I writing a book? Who in the world is going to read my book? And the Lord just, you know, that still small voice, that whisper said, everyone has a story. And it's by us sharing our testimony, our story, you never know how it's going to speak to that person or, you know, bring that person closer to a relationship with him. And so out of obedience, just being so transparent and seeing how the Lord has poured his mercy, his grace, his, you know, redemptive, you know, resurrective power on me. So yes. So I said, okay, Lord, yes, yes, I will do that. Yes. So um, I think all of us has that and through whether it's through, you know, blogs or podcasts or just sitting down with a cup of coffee with a friend um, and just being transparent. How are you doing? And that person, you know, oh, I'm fine. I tell my kids and my daughters, that's not a good word. I really want to know how are you doing and being able to open up and share exactly how you are doing. I think that is the power of the testimony. Yeah. And it's true. We all have a story. I mean, People ask me a lot, how do you find guests for the podcast? And it's like, how do I not find them? I could literally yeah, I ask anyone I know because everybody has a story to share about how they came to know the Lord and the work He's doing yeah. in their lives. And like, as believers, we need to be confident and comfortable to be able yeah. to share that because, I mean, the yeah. world needs it. And it's just giving it all praise be, and yes. glory to God. To Him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Uh, we are running very short on time. And this has just been so delightful. So before I let you go, what did I miss? What is a final thought or word of encouragement you have for our listeners or maybe a final inspiring story? Oh gosh. Well, then we could be here another whole hour, but (laughs) I'm going to, this is what I tell people. You know, a lot of people who, um, find it intimidating to, you know, open the Bible and the Bible's, you know, it's it's God's love letter to us, but um, we all have our devices, our phones glued to our hips. Um, And what I have found um, for me is I've found, I've got, I mean, I love every word in his word, but I've chosen a few, um, you know, verses for praying for my children or praying for me, my marriage, um, my business. And I plug it in my phone, like in the calendar. And you know how you can alert every day or, you know, once a day. And I have an alert where the whole entire scripture pops up. And so my favorite verse is Ephesians 3.20. So at 3.20 every day, that verse pops up on my phone. And it's just a reminder that God will do immeasurably more than I could ever ask or imagine. It's a time for me just to pause and pray, thank him, whatever. And, you know, I have more that pop up throughout the day. And, you know, but I take the verse, whatever time it is, 3.20 p.m. because I'm not an a.m. person. Um, Find your verse and plug it in your calendar on your phone so that it is there 
all the time. And it pops up as a reminder um, to cling to God, to cling to His Word, to cling to His truth, and to know that no matter what, He sees us, He loves Mm -hmm. us, and He has a plan for us. Amen. No matter what. Wow. And that's such a simple, practical tip, but so powerful to just have that truth in front of you every single day. Yes, yes. And thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. What an amazing conversation with Anne. She is just a delight. And after I stopped recording, uh, we continued to chat and found out that we both not only live in Charlotte, but her studio and gallery space is literally like a mile and a half away from my condo. So I saved our recording and I hopped in my car and went right over there and got to meet her in person and see her beautiful gallery and her studio space and give her the biggest hug. And it was such a blessing. And just, it felt like a gift. It felt like God reminding me, I see you. And at any point during any random Monday or any day, He can just infuse His gifts into our life, and we can miss them. We can fly past them. We can enjoy them, but sometimes not recognize it as a little wink from God, a little gift from God. Um, But I'm trying to teach myself to just recognize those moments and enjoy them and give God the glory for them, Uh, because it was just so sweet to get to actually meet her in person and, you know, on a Monday when normally I'd be teaching— But today we're on our fall break, and so I had the freedom to just drop everything and go on a little adventure. And it was was very fun and just a very special moment. So Anne, thank you so much for your generosity and for being on the show and welcoming me into your studio and giving me the most beautiful books. Uh, I just— I'm so overwhelmed. So, Anne, if you're listening, thank you. And to all of our listeners, you've got to check out her her work. It's absolutely gorgeous. I've linked to everything in the show notes and on the blog, um, and I'll tag her in our Instagram posts because just the the hope and inspiration in her words and you know in the books, and then also in just the images in the art, it just it moves me to tears. It's so beautiful and it's so filled with the Holy Spirit. And so um, just check her out. Check out her art. Um, and, you know, if you're able, maybe go order her book on Amazon. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you see God show up in some way, big or small, in your life today. And if you don't see it right away, um, maybe just be still and ask Him to show you how He's provided for you today because I believe with my whole heart that He has in some way, even if you don't recognize it right away or in that moment, He's constantly working on our behalf and fighting for us and um, going before us and providing a way for whatever situation you're in. And so if that's hard for you to see right now, I get it. Um, I've been there. But maybe just take a moment wherever you are right now and just ask Him to show you a way that He's provided. Just open your eyes and heart to that. Um, And I just pray that He surprises you with whatever word He gives you there. Um, So I love you all very much, and we will see you next time on The Collected Podcast. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. You can also find Jess at Jess Biondo. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.